today back to the first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 13. We're going to revisit some scripture, and um, uh, Dallas came into my office this morning earlier and uh, asked me a question if I could uh, do something for him uh, and uh, about a particular thing that he's uh, studying and working on, and uh, uh, he didn't. He didn't have no idea that um, God gave me a message this morning, real, uh, uh, real close to what He was asking me to do. Uh, and uh, this is this is not the message that you've been studying uh, and getting ready, but this is something that God gave me this morning uh, and uh, earlier this morning, and uh, and I had this out and working on this as you came back here. But Genesis chapter thirteen, we're going to read the first four verses. Um, of uh, the text. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, unto the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. It says that uh, he went and journeyed from Egypt to the south, back to the place that his tent had been before, between two Cities, one by the call, by the name of Bethel, and one Ai, and the place of the altar we had made there at the first. Hallelujah! I want to speak to you the next few minutes on a subject titled "Standing Between the Altar and Ruin." Standing between the altar and ruin, fathers, we come today. We thank you, God, and we praise you for the word that you have placed upon my heart. I'm asking, God, that you will anoint me to deliver it the way you would see fit. I'd ask you, God, to speak to every heart that's here, because I know you never give a word without it being for a purpose. And your word never returns void, but always accomplish that which is purpose. Touch every heart today. Speak to every soul. In the blessed mighty name of Jesus, let the church say, you can be seated. Hallelujah. Standing between the altar and ruin. You'll find out how we got that out of this as we get into the Word. Uh, the story of the life of Abraham uh, is very encouraging and interesting. And I would urge everybody to spend some time in reading and researching about the life of Abraham because Abraham's life mirrors the lives of all children of God in every age throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, and it is beneficial and worthwhile for you to really study the life of Abraham. Uh, now, if you're studying his life through the Bible, you, um, his story begins in Genesis 11 and verse 31, and he goes through Genesis 25 and verse 8. Uh, but then there are also references to Abraham in the New Testament that you can go to. 
Uh, and uh, But I would urge uh, everybody to study Abraham's life because uh, whether or not you realize it or not, if you're a seed of Christ, if you're born of Jesus Christ, then you are a seed of Abraham. Amen. Hallelujah. If you are Christ's seed, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. We are the children of Abraham. Now, the message today that I want us to, we're going to go back to the time when Abraham was leaving Egypt. There was a time that Abraham went down into the land of Egypt. Well, we're going to pick up there as he left Egypt, and he traveled back to the first place that he pitched his tent in the land where God had led him. You see, God uh, spoken to him much earlier in his life and told him that I want you to leave this land and your family and your kinsmen to a place that I would lead you. And he went to that place. And there uh, at Bethel, uh, he built an altar. And we're talking about in the very beginning of his, uh, his walk with God. And he built it off of there uh, and uh, and. Bethel was uh, on one one side, and Ai was on the other other side. He was standing there. He was uh, in between, and uh, and that's where he built that first altar. Now, the name Bethel, that city uh, that was called Bethel, means house of God. That's what it meant in Hebrew, house of God. Ai meant ruin. Now you follow that because that is. Um, very significant in, in, in our study today. The name Ai meant ruin. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I don't I don't think I would like living in a city that meant ruin. I uh, in in my travels one time went through a went through a town called Defeated. Anybody ever heard of Defeated? My Lord. I would get out of that place if I had to give everything I had away. <laughs> Amen. You know, you, glory to God. You know, it's it's all it's all about faith in God and deliverance. I don't want I don't want I don't want to be nowhere near defeated. I don't want to be nowhere near Ai. I don't want to be near ruin. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what the name Ai meant, and it's very significant because Abraham was standing between. God's house or the altar and ruin. Right there in between it all, there's where he was standing. It was at that place the altar made all the difference in Abraham's life. Hallelujah. What I'm trying to say is that there there were two different directions at that point in Abraham's life that he could go to. He could head towards God's house or he could head towards ruin. Hallelujah. And you know what? It, will, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand, amen, what uh, significance that means. Hallelujah. There he was, amen, and there, amen, at the very beginning that he had built, amen, an altar unto God. Hallelujah. Amen. And here he's back to the place where it all began. Now, there are a couple of things that I'm going to talk about in this message concerning this, 
we're going to be talking about Abraham's dilemma, and then I'm going to talk about Abraham's deliverance. His dilemma, and then his deliverance. Abraham desired to follow God, but there had been a few circumstances in his life that had threw him off course. Amen. Hallelujah. Have you ever made plans to do something and, and something happened that you, you didn't for, foresee or, 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 or didn't have no idea and it, it just kind of turned everything topsy-turvy? Amen. Has that ever happened to anybody? Hallelujah. Well, see, when God spoke, first spoke to Abraham, the Bible said he journeyed not knowing where he was going. I mean, that's how come he's called the father of faith and the, and the friend of God. Because when God first spoke to him, he was living in a paganistic society. Uh, Ur of the Chaldees. I mean, there, there was there was no uh, houses of God nowhere around that place. There was no place called Bethel around there. It, it, it all had to do with false worship and paganism. Nobody in the place worshipped God. Nobody worshipped God. No place to go to worship God. Amen. On the Lord's day. God called him by grace, not because of something that Abraham done, not because um, of uh, his extraordinary something in his life, amen, but it was by the grace of God that he spoke to Abraham uh, to bring him out. And Abraham had every intention when he left Ur the Chaldeans along with his father and the rest of his family, he had all intentions of going all the way with God. But there was a series of circumstances. There were things that took place that threw Abraham off course. I know a lot of people like Abraham who started out living for God, amen, worshiping God, enjoying the Lord, enjoying the church, the body of Christ, Amen. And then all of a sudden, one day, you look around and there's nowhere to be found. Was it something that was planned? No. Was it something intended? No. But a lot of times with people that I've talked with down through the years, it's all because of a certain set of unforeseen circumstances that gets people off track, that causes them to sidetrack. Everybody knows uh, of the story of my brother around here by now. And um, uh, he started out living for God when he was young. And he ministered and he preached for five years. But, and when he started living for God, he never had no thoughts or nothing planned after five years to lay his Bible down and walk out of the church and go out there and wind up being an alcoholic. That would lead him down to a, a series of things in his life that all for 40 long years that brought him down almost to the point that he had one foot in the grave and the other on the banana peel, as, 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 as old saying goes. He didn't plan it. But circumstances took place. That he allowed circumstances to get him off course. You see, he had always had a terrible fear of snakes. And uh, 
the men that he worked with at the factory, they found out about that. And so they got to where they would, uh, you know, try to spook him every now and then. And uh, one, night at, one night at the place he worked, uh, they uh, fixed up a bunch of wire to make it look just like a snake crawled up and had it placed where they knew he was going. And as he was walking by, somebody hollered up and said, Hey, Prud, look at that snake! And when he looked, and he looked down there, and, and automatically in his mind, his mind told him a snake, because that's what they said. He jumped. He went through a plate glass window, hand first. And I mean, it cut his hand real bad, all, 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 all the way down to the bone. And uh, uh, they uh, turned to be an inquiry where he worked about it. And the guys involved, they all began to come to him and say, Man, you, can, you can't tell them. You can't tell them what happened because we'll all lose our job. We all got families, you know. And that man, they was all talking to him like that. And so when he had the inquiry, he told him, he said, well, I asked him what happened. He said, well, I just got tangled up and tripped in war and I fell. And uh, that, that set of circumstance began to throw him off course because something down inside began to, to bother him, he knew he didn't he didn't do like he should have done, and he went, you know, and uh, to uh, to my father, which was a, the pastor of that church at a particular time. Daddy told me, he said, "Well, he said you just repent, uh, get it taken care of, God." And he said, "Then just go before the church and tell them you messed up, you you done wrong." And uh, he says, um, "He says God's people they'll forgive you." He said, "If they're God's people, they'll forgive you." But he couldn't do it. So he began to lay out, he lay out a church. And, he, uh, and, and bef- before you know it, that eating at him on the inside led him to drink. And he drank more and more and more and more. To 40 years down the road, his life totally messed up. Hallelujah, this set of circumstances. Folks, we don't need to let circumstances interfere between us and God. Hallelujah. Because I want to let you know something. If you don't know it, you should already know it. My God is big enough to take care of your circumstance. Hallelujah. Amen. My God is big enough to take care of your circumstances. Abraham intended to, to follow God. Amen. But, but there were circumstances in his life. Number one, there's a couple things I'm going to talk about about that. There was a severe, severe famine hit the land not long after his arrival, so he headed to Egypt to survive. Now here he was in the land. He had came from Ai down here right outside between all that Bethel. He built the altar. This was the land that God intended for him to always stay. And always be in. This is where God called him to. But there was a circumstance. A severe famine hit the land. And so, amen, to, he, thought, he thought in his mind, the following in his mind, well, the only way that we can, uh, I can do is head over this family, amen, you know, for us to survive is to go down in Egypt because um, uh, it's raining down there. They're getting rain and they, they don't have no problems down there. Hallelujah. So he took off to Egypt. And listen, 
When he went for Egypt, he left the place that God had led him to. You hear what I'm saying? God didn't lead him to Egypt. He took himself to Egypt. He led himself because circumstances word his mind. And he took off amen, down to Egypt. Many times, hardships come in our lives, which drives us from the original purpose that God intended for us. I have seen many times people take on extra jobs to help, to help make ends meet, which in itself is not wrong. But the problem arises when these extra jobs that we take on to help ends meet causes us to miss too much prayer, too much church, and, and miss other works that we should be doing for God. That's when there's a problem. Hallelujah. The devil makes us think we got to do stuff that you don't have to do. Hallelujah. I get so sick and tired of people all the time saying, Well, Brother Samuel, I've just got to do this. No, you don't got to do it because your God is bigger than that. It's time that you wake up, grow up, and stand up and be a man and be a woman and say, I'm going to follow Jesus. We don't have enough people today, amen, who will stand up, amen, and say, God, I'm dependent on you to feed me and my family, and God, if you don't feed me, I'll starve. That's too radical. Oh, that's too radical, Brother Sammy. That's too ra- we, we can't think like that. What did the three Hebrew children tell uh, um, Nebuchadnezzar about unless you, unless you fall down and you worship this, this statue that I've made when the music plays? Hallelujah. What did, what did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego tell him? They says our God is able... To deliver us from the fiery furnace. But they didn't stop there. They said, but if he don't, we still ain't going to bow down and worship because we know it ain't God's will. Oh, God, we need some Shadrach, Meshach, Lord, and God, hallelujah. When the time, when times may get so hard, amen, gas prices get so high, high that I've got to work job after job after job because I'm afraid I can't pay the bills and I quit going to church, I quit praying, I quit working for God like God has called me to do. It's time that you need to stand up and say, God, I know you can make a way. I know you can make a way to fill my tank. If you don't make a way to fill my tank, I'll just walk. Hallelujah. That's man's original mode of transportation anyway. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Americans wouldn't be having a problem being overweight. We'd do more than walking anyway. But see, we, we let the devil give us a mindset I've got to do this. I've got to know. You ain't got to do nothing but believe God. That's all you've got to do is trust God. He ain't never told you to do nothing else but to believe Him and trust Him. And we can't even do that. Well, hallelujah, I feel His power. Glory to God. Let me tell you something. Egypt has always been a type of sin of the world. All through the Bible. When it talks about Egypt, it represents the world. It represents sin. People in Egypt ain't never worship and serve God. They never will worship and serve God. Hallelujah. 
It's all, and so it's always been a type and a shadow representation. And Abraham, when he looked to Egypt, now follow me close. When Abraham looked to Egypt for help, in God's eyes, he was looking to the world for help instead of looking to him. Hello, somebody. In other words, when Egypt got up, packed his bags, and headed, headed to Egypt, you know what he did? He slapped God in the face. Hallelujah. He was telling God, hey, I, I, I'm more comfortable down there living amongst those Egypt, Egyptians. No, no matter about all their abominations and sins and evilness that goes on in Egypt. But I just know I got to go there. Hallelujah. What was it? Abraham allowed circumstances, amen, to get him off course from what God had called him. Hallelujah. And so, for him to be able to get back to the place. See, this was just the very beginning of Abraham's experience in walk of life. Hallelujah. This is, this is a law. His name was still Abraham. He wasn't Abraham yet. Amen. The birth of the promised son ain't come yet. There were still other obstacles and other things that he had to go through, but none of those would never happen if he didn't take care of this. Hallelujah. But then also, there was another dilemma that he had. Not only did he, because of the severe famine, he took off to Egypt. And then another thing that caused his dilemma, Abraham had still not obeyed God fully. He still had not obeyed God fully. I hate to break the news to you, but a half obedience is, is a full disobedience in the sight of God. Amen. Abraham had not. He he had, he had himself thinking, oh, man, look what, you know, I done left the early Chaldeans. I went out there not knowing what I was going. I did what God spoke to me to do. That's great. Hallelujah. But he still hadn't obeyed God all the way. And that had to be taken care of. So there were some situations to occur in Abram's life. Hallelujah. I, 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 hope, I hope somebody's getting, get, getting this today because, man, I, man I'm, I'm just feeling this moving. The Spirit got it through my soul right now. Hallelujah. A lot of times we will question why we have to go through this. Why am I going through that? Why is there so much hurt in my life? Well, I want to tell you that if God has to, God will hurt in your life the thing that you've got to get rid of. 
Think about that for a moment. Sometimes God has to hurt in your life what you've got to shed. Hallelujah. What, did it, what was it, Brother Sammy? Well, God had told Abraham originally, He said, you leave your home, your family, everything. Hallelujah. But Abraham was still dragging along his nephew, Lot. Hallelujah. It's amazing to me how many people read over that and study that, and they never pick that up. They never pick it up. You see, in the very beginning, let me. I'm going to go back there and read that. I, um, I'm, I want to. I want to read to you God's original word to um, uh, to Abraham. Amen. I I can find it here. Listen what he said in, in, in Genesis 12, chapter 12. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. Abraham was disobeying God the, right at the same time that he was obeying God. He was leaving, but he was dragging something along with him that shouldn't have been there. Mm, oh, glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Abraham was still dragging along Lot, his nephew, of which, no doubt, he was feeling obligated due to the death, un, uh, untimely of death of his brother. Hallelujah. So, you know, Abraham being a good man, no doubt, maybe, and I, I don't know, and I, I, I'm sure that's probably was the case, that he kind of felt some obligation to his nephew. But now, that'd be one thing if his nephew uh, was, was a six-month-old baby. But this nephew was already a grown man, capable of fending for himself. Come on. Hallelujah. So, follow me now. And this, this is one of the major points that God hit me when I was giving it. Hallelujah. We need to reevaluate the things in our life that we feel obligated to. Bless the quietness. Hallelujah. If there is anything in your life you feel more obligated to than God, His church, or His Word, you are going to have to cut it off and tell it bye-bye. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching. Whether or not it's hitting home or not, I'm preaching. We feel too or too many other obligations. Hallelujah. When, when we become children of God, our main obligation is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Too many people in the church right now are dragging too much junk with them. Hallelujah. You've got to worry about you and yourself and God and whatever it is you're dragging on. You've got to trust God enough to let it go. And so, well, I've got to back off. I've got to take care of that, but I'm going to have to go on. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. This is a big issue with a lot of people in the church world. 
Hallelujah. We've got too many other things that we feel obligated to. God says, you're going to have to tell it bye-bye. You're going to have to let it go. That was part of Abram's or Abraham's dilemma. Hallelujah. Do you know even, even after Abraham finally left Egypt and he come back to the altar where he, where he began, even there at that altar, he still, he still didn't cut it off until God allowed the vision to come about in his family. The Bible says there began a strife between Abraham's herdsmen and Lot's because the land was not big enough to contain them both. Can I tell you right now, God, amen, is big enough and capable to take care of you, but He cannot take care of you and what you're trying to carry along. God says, I want you, not your baggage. Hallelujah. So, strife began, and there was trouble in the family. There was feuding going on. I'm a firm believer that the 99 and 9% of the problems of, uh, and, and, and homes of people who go to church today and because they get strife and everything is because there are people in the family that's got too much luggage, too many obligations that we're trying to obligate ourselves to. And we won't grow up and stand up and do what we want to do. Hallelujah. Or what we should do. Hallelujah. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, if you are called of God, and you are His child, God knows how to pressure you and put the pressure on you. And I'll tell you what, you talk... Huh, Talk about they sing a song about the only real peace. I'm going to tell you something. You 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 may you may be a child of God, but God allow you to live your life right here on this earth in total misery. He'll let you walk around totally defeated. Good illustration. Later on, let's let, let's spin this thing forward several hundred years. Let's let's do a little time. Let's jump up. Abraham's descendants now are doing the same thing, did the same thing that their daddy did. They found themselves in Egypt because of a famine, almost identical situation. Daddy, granddaddies, let me tell you, it's important that you follow the will of God because not only what you do and what you don't do is affecting your life and your spiritual walk, but it's going to it's going to affect your children and your grandchildren on down the road. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. A lot of they're going they're going to follow some of the mistakes, same mistakes that you make. If you don't get things straightened up, it's going to hit again. It's going to be worse. And so 
God, there they was. There was the children of God. There were people of God. He brought them out of Egypt. But you know what? Did they go to the promised land? No. I mean, it wasn't... It wasn't, uh, it wasn't what, it was, um, I can't remember, somebody, maybe some Bible studies, it was about, what it was, about a three-week, three-week journey, three or four-week journey from, you know, from the border of Egypt into, uh, into the border of Israel, something like that, by, by foot, something like that, I can't remember exactly. Okay, thank you, thank you. How come it took them 40 years? How come it took them 40 years? They, they go, they're going around and around in circles in the desert. Why? Because when they got, got up there, Travis, Joshua sent out, uh, um, Moses rather, excuse me, Moses sent out uh, some, some spies to spy the land, to see, to see the land. What did they say? Uh, oh, it is a land flowing milk and honey, but we can't, we can't do it. They're giants over there. Did you know God knew about the giants was there because he's the one who made them? Hallelujah. Amen. God knew there was giants there. God led them to the promised land in 15 days, but they winded up going around in circles for 40 years, not accomplishing nothing but stirring up dust because they refused to walk into their promise. How many people right here in this room, God has already given you a promise, and you're just going around in circles? Same old, same old, all the time. Well, I know I'm not doing this. I know I ain't doing that. Amen. Well, shut up talking about it and start doing something about it. Glory to God. Quit going around in circles. Hallelujah. The children of Israel wandered in circles, kicking up dust for 40 years when they had been there in 15 days. He led them to the promised land, but they wouldn't go in. They wouldn't go in. They made God so upset. He says, I'm going to tell you what. He said, ain't none of this generation going to go in. Hallelujah. He said, you're going to just wander around there in the desert, just going around the circle for 40 years to every, every one of you of that generation dies off. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something. God is a gracious God. He's a long-suffering God. But I'm going to, I want you to know, you've you got to remember, there are, there are times that you can get on God's last nerve. Hallelujah. Amen. So, they will strife, and Abraham finally realized that he had, he had to get shud of his nephew. And he says, I'm going to let you have the choice. He says, you, you and your side, you, you, you pick one way and I'll go the other. He said, I'll give you the choice. Hallelujah. Amen. That was Abraham's deliverance. That was his deliverance. And that brings me to the winding down of this message today. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people who are standing between the altar and ruin. I'm talking about people who have known the good things of God. People who've experienced the power of God. 
you've had circumstances to get you off track. You've gotten off course a little bit. You've got to come to the place that Abraham did. You're going to have to go back. Hallelujah. You've got to, you've got to go back to where you began it. And you've got to make a decision. You've got to make a decision. Are you going to follow God fully? Are you going to head toward Bethel? Or are you going to head toward Ai, which is ruin? Amen. You see, we cause the majority of the dilemmas in our life. You hear me say this a lot. I keep, and I'm going to keep saying it because until the day comes that I quit hearing people blame the devil for something they did. All the time, all the enemy's done this. The enemy ain't has done that. Truth be known, the enemy ain't no, been nowhere around you. It was your choice. Hallelujah. Amen. Sister Darling, just this past week, was talking about something. And uh, we was going somewhere, and she made, made, a, made a statement. She said, well, you know, I've been, been doing good about this or, or whatever. She says, and then, then the, old, the old enemy has tried to bring this, and then she stopped herself, and she says, no. She said, she said, that wasn't the enemy that made that choice. She said, I made that choice. I said, thank you. Because that's one of the one ways to get out of your dilemma into your deliverance. Recognize. Quit blaming your mama, your grandma. Man, I get so sick and tired of all these, all these kids today getting out of here, getting on drugs, killing people and everything else. And then uh, they got all of these psychologists that don't know a thing about God. Amen. And they'll send them there and they'll say, Oh, man, you were mistreated back here by your great-great-grandmama. She's a call this. That's a bunch of bull and baloney. Hallelujah. You want to get out of your dilemma and get in jail. Quit blaming everybody else. Hallelujah. Start blaming where the blame belongs. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Like that old song the old saints you sing, It's not my father, not my mother, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Anybody ever heard that old song? Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's the society that we live in today. I mean, we want, we want to put the finger on everybody else except for where, where it goes. But it's, it's kind of like my mother always told me, one of the best Pieces of advice my mother gave me when I first started preaching before I left home. She said, son, she says, you know, always remember, you need to always remember something. She says, and when you're standing up there and you're preaching to other people and you're pointing your finger at you, remember you got three pointing back at yourself. And when we start pointing our finger at other people, Trying to point out their faults and their failures. We need to remember we got three pointing back at us. Hallelujah. It's time, it's time that we fess up. And we admit to God because God knows it anyway. Hallelujah. Now I know and realize the the Bible does talk about the devil and man, he and he he does a lot of things. He he takes advantage of a lot of stuff. There's a whole lot of stuff though he gets blamed for that he don't do. Hallelujah. Most of my problems in my life that I've endured 
it comes back to Sammy, to a bad choice that I made, to a wrong decision. Hallelujah. When a time of my life, I'm going to throw this at you. There might be some folks know what I'm talking about when I say this. It goes back to a time in my life when I, when I G'd when I should have hauled. G-Hall. Hallelujah. Exactly. Hallelujah. Lord, I got that's before John Deere come along. And Massey Ferguson. Hallelujah. Brother Darrell, once you get a course ready, we're going to close. Hallelujah. Standing between the altar and ruin. Is there something troubling in your life today? Have you began to do something or make a move for God, but circumstances put you off course? There ain't no need to be need to be ashamed about it or or nothing like that because there ain't none of us who hadn't messed up in our life. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ was the only only one on this earth without any sin. But see, we find ourselves standing between the altar and ruin. Which direction are you going to go? We're going to head back to the altar? Or we're going to run into the arms of ruin? I I don't know why God gave me this message today, but I know it's for a purpose, for somebody, probably for more than one. Now I've done, given you what God has given me. Let everybody stand, and if you feel the slightest tug at your heart, if God has spoken to you in the least little bit anywhere in this message, I invite you to come to the altar that's been designated to just talk to the Lord. Standing between the altar and ruin. Don't 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 leave out of here today and run into the arms of ruin. But get your life back on course with God. Brother Darrell. I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear the brothers come up for us.